Welcome to another episode of Gears and Beers, a show where freedom-loving, gun-toting capitalist pigs talk about gear we love, gear we hate, gun industry news, and whatever else trips our trigger along the way. On the list of topics tonight, we're going to be talking with Ben from Kraken Case Company, talking about the pistol brace amnesty period. Milwaukee Police Department is suing the city over issued P320s. With me tonight, as always, Mr. Sam Shire, uh, owner of Shyworks, Iowa's preferred Cerakote applicator, Ben from Kraken Case Company, and I'm your host, Box. This show is brought to you by Shyworks. Sam, tell us a little bit about uh, about your Shyworks over there. Yeah, if you guys are unfamiliar with us, we're Iowa's customer preferred Cerakote applicator. So what we do is we uh, we take your weapon talk to you about what you want it to look like and make it a reality, whether it's just a simple color change to battle worn to uh, camos or flag finishes, pretty much whatever you can, whatever you can dream up, uh, we can make happen. Also, you can use coupon code LSLF10 on our website, shyworks.com. They'll give you 10% off everything in the cart from lasered magazines to Glock backplates, mag bases, patches, shirts, hats, all sorts of goodies. That's coupon code LSLF10. Yes, sir. We're we are also brought to you by Ballistic Imagery Brand Building Photography. Check them out on Facebook and BallisticImagery.com. Ballistic Imagery, make an impact. Okay, Ooh. well, let's start That's talking pretty. and get rid of my fucking music there. I always have <laughs> so many technical issues. Man, you're playing that music loud. We're getting hyped up on the way in. That's oh, right. yeah, hell yeah. I got to get people <clears throat> excited. Hey, Nick, how you doing? So we're here with, as I mentioned in the introduction, Ben with Crack and Case Company. How are you doing over there, Ben? Good, man. Thank you guys for having me on. Absolutely. Thanks for coming. I saw you were sipping on something a little bit earlier. Are you a whiskey man? Yeah, I am. Bourbon, typically, but all I had was some JD um, in the house, so I grabbed that on my way out to the garage, my my layer out here. Oh, just straight whiskey, huh? Good yeah. man. Nice. Good man. I'm I'm a Jack Daniels man myself, kinda. I uh, nice. I love that stuff. Yeah. I would, what are you I drinking, was, Box? I was looking at some Jack Daniels. I went down to the gas station right before we started, and I was looking at it. I was eyeing it, but then I saw some uh, salted caramel whiskey from Bird Dog. <laughs> <laughs> so I bought that. Ooh, and I drink. I drank. I'm drinking that with with Sprite, of course. It tastes just like your peanut butter whiskey, but it's pretty good with Sprite. I got a little tuned up last night on, um, it was uh, Traverse City Whiskey Company. My buddy said to try it. It was this peach um, peach bourbon, and it was actually really good. And it was 35%, so it was, you know, it creeps up on you a little bit. And by the time oh, I, yeah. it, I was like, oh, God, I got to go to bed. <laughs> I got to go to bed. I'm not young anymore, so I can't, uh, I can't, <laughs> I can't hang like that. Boy, I feel your pain. Once you hit 30, it seems like everything, just uh, the hangovers, they just get worse and worse. No, they just add another, every decade adds another day onto your hangover. It's true. It's <laughs> very true. You were Although saying. I guess I the, the 10 to 20, I don't really have a good gauge on. So we'll start at 20 <laughs> and go from there. Yeah. 10 to 20. Valid point. They were still terrible at 10 to 20. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it was in our e- our email exchange. You mentioned that you were out setting up your hunting property. So you're a hunter. What are you What are you hunting for? Yeah. So we have. Uh, so we're based in Michigan. Kraken's based in Michigan. And then uh, my buddy and I have 
a hunting lease up in northern Michigan, um, whitetail primarily here in Michigan. So we have a square mile that we lease up in, in northern Michigan, about three hours from where I'm at right now. Um, so we were up there setting up game cams and doing all that stuff, just getting ready for um, for whitetail season to start. Bow season starts next week, um, but we might actually just kind of cool it on the property for bow season, wait for rifle season, and go hunt state land um, next month for bow season. Right on. Sam, how's your bow hunting starts, going on? <laughs> uh, it starts um, this weekend, I think. Um I think it's Saturday it starts, October 1st. Yeah, it'd be Saturday. Um, so I haven't even shot my bow in a, a long time. So I need to I, I need to go do that, actually. Unfortunately, I didn't get out at all last year, so I'm hoping I will this year. I feel like after you got that one buck that's hanging on the wall back there, you just kind of gave up on it. Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah. I got one. I'm done. <laughs> you got your hanger. Yeah, you can just shoot does from now on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just put meat in the fridge in the freezer and call it good. Who gives a crap? Yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, is if you're seeing something, you're winning because half the time you go out there and you're like, oh my god, oh, <laughs> I didn't see anything. Yeah, I went five years. All I do is bow hunt. I don't gun hunt or anything. I went five years without getting one, and I was that was my last season. And then I ended up getting that guy back there, and he was a he was a hell of a good one. I was happy with it. So is that ten point? I can't. Yeah, ten point. Yeah. Nice. Yep. He's not huge, but I was damn happy with him. That's what she said for five. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Win. <laughs> Sorry. Couldn't help myself. <laughs> uh, Nick on the, on, in the comments asks, uh, very nice on getting this gentleman on the show. Does this have anything to do with this after that link I sent you? Yes, it does. Nick, that is 100% <laughs> the reason that I got this man on there. I got looking at that link and looking at their website and I was pretty interested in, so figured what the hell. So I shot him an email and, here he is. So do you have so ben, do you have Nick's email? I'm sure do he can leave Nick? it. I'm sure he can leave it for us. Yeah, Nick, get the to. guys uh get the guys your email and we'll get you a free case. Ooh. Look at that. Look at that. Hell yeah. I noticed you guys Thank I was you, looking Nick. through I was looking through you guys' Facebook and I was reading through the comments and the way you guys were responding people and you guys is I guess it was probably you actually responding to people yeah, it was. in the comments. You're just I like your your PR. I like the way you guys handle yourselves on on social media. Not a lot of companies can do that. You know, man, I like to talk shit, and I don't know if I'm. Are you guys? Is there a PG rating on this, or is this uh, no. PG rating? You're for fine. It? Okay, you're fine. No, I mean, I like to talk shit in in my everyday life, and I, you know, my my business partner and I always say, like, what what are we starting a company for if we can't do what we want to do? So it's, you know, I'm not a fan of the coddled PG kind of conversation that a lot of brands have. And if we wait to start talking how we want until we're bigger, we're not going to be able to do it. But if we set the tone right now that it's just, this is us, this is what you get. There's no, like, we're not going to hold back. We're not going to be like complete dickheads, but we're not going to, you know, take it either. If people are trying to be, you know, people are trying to come in and cause problems or whatever, we'll mix it up with you. We'll have fun, you know? Well, it's, it's fun for me to be able to do that too. Absolutely. I like that. I, I like that a lot. I, I couldn't agree more. I think you're going to fit in uh, real well in here. <laughs> <laughs> and it's fun too. It's, you'd be surprised how many people in the comments have said exactly that, that, you know, they're, they're happy to see a brand that, you know, is willing to risk, <clears throat> risk their, you know, quote unquote image or whatever it is. But to me, it is the image it's, 
it's an extension of us. This brand, we want it to be an extension of us. You know, we spent close to three years developing this product and it is, it's our baby. And so for us, you know, we see the brand as us in, in representation of what we're putting out and we don't, you know, with the products that we're going to be releasing and everything else we do, we don't want it to be a, you know, just a, another ho-hum Pelican or whatever, where, you know, you see Pelican and they're very generic. They, they're, they're a corporation. They're a big, big corporation and they have a lot of moving parts and they can't do what we're doing in terms of just, you know, mixing it up with people like normal people would. Um, and so that's kind of a focus for us, at least, is just to make sure that the brand is authentic to us, whether people like that or not. It's important to us to do that. That's awesome. So yeah. I want to I want to backtrack just a little bit. So if, for those of you who haven't figured it out yet, Ben here is the co-founder of Kraken Case Company. So Ben, could you give us like a, a quick rundown just on who Kraken is or what the company is or what you stand for, where you're located when you started that kind of thing? Sure. So Kraken Case Company is, um, <clears throat> as you know, on the surface, we're, we're a case company, a case seller. Um, but what we have is a patent pending memory foam insert for the cases. So we're, we're different from the brands like Pelican or anyone else in the market is that we do not want pick and pluck to be the main, you know, the main draw for cases. So, you know, a lot of people might not have seen the product before. So I got a bunch of stuff here, but this is one of the inserts that goes into our cases. So our cases are built in a way where you have a bottom insert, top insert, and then you have a middle foam foam layer. And so where we're going with this is that we don't think customization has to be something that you have to toil over. I mean, anybody who's used pick and pluck foam knows that it's good for one gun, one setup, let's say you have a pistol comp gun whatever it is you you will pluck that foam for that gun and then that's it and if you want to use that case for something else now you're stacking foam in the corner in your garage wherever it is so for us what we came up with was was cracking foam and with this you'll never have to pick and pluck anything again you literally can put a gun in there put four guns in there this case the gamma case which is our first one you can actually put four pistols in it and it conforms to whatever you whatever you throw inside of there and so we began developing this about three years ago um and it was just a conversation that my partner and i had which was why hasn't anybody made memory foam for hard cases it's it's kind of a no-brainer but it's one of those things that's like why not and what we're what we found was that it was a development issue and it was just a cost issue because the the case companies that you buy foam from now, I mean, they're they're selling, they're buying pick and pluck foam for nothing, and then they're reselling it for a lot of times sixty, seventy, eighty, a hundred dollars for a full resold insert into those cases. And so back to what I was saying about like a Pelican, I mean, it's a machine, it's a huge corporation, and so they're dealing in very small kind of fractions and their margins and all that stuff. So. We're like, screw it. We're going to try and do it. And my business partner is actually the manufacturing arm of this. And he used to work for a foam company in Michigan. So we called up the foam company. He's, you know, he was like, hey, guys, we have an idea. Do you think this is something that we can do? And they're like, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Why don't you guys come in and talk about it? And that was the beginning of this whole escalation of three years of R&D, trying to figure out exactly the right foam, the right process, and, and everything else that goes into it. Because we wanted it to be something that wasn't just like, hey, we took a pillow from, you know, Bed Bath & Beyond and cut it to fit this case. What do mm -hmm. you guys think? This foam was developed specifically for hard cases. And when I say that, I mean, 
we have the memory foam component, but we also have a top layer on this. This layer is is very tough. I mean, you can see like I'm pulling on it. It's not going anywhere. It's it's built to withstand a lot of shit that you're going to throw at it. It's cut resistant. It's heat resistant to 400 degrees sustained bursts of 800. I mean, I literally threw lit matches on this and they just fizzled out before they burned it. It's water resistant, oil resistant. And so, you know, if you have knives, if you have, you know, guns, oil, dirty, whatever it is, we wanted the product to be able to withstand the actual use that you were going to put it through instead of what normally people see, which is pick and pluck foam. Once you take those centerpieces out, it falls apart. It doesn't work. You drop it. It just, for our perspective, it sucks. So that's that's really the the gist of Kraken Case Company. And so we don't manufacture our hard cases. We buy those, and but we do manufacture our foam. And so it's a reverse model of what the other case companies are doing, which is they make the cases, they buy the foam, we make the foam, and we buy the cases. And it gives us a lot of flexibility to be able to just see something that we like and say, we can make that. So we launched with our pistol case, which is the Gamma case. Um, we do have a new um, sunglass size case, which you guys will be the first ones to see that. I have one with me. Um, and then our rifle case is coming out later this year. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that's what I was that's what I was gonna ask you when you were coming out with uh with the with the bigger one. Cause I know there's gonna be a lot of uh I did I was even perusing your social media and website and I did notice there was a lot of questions on when you're coming out with a bigger one. So that's gonna be that's yeah. going to be awesome. You know, it's interesting too, because it's like <clears throat> a lot of people may not think about a lot of the stuff that goes into this, but when you consider manufacturing, it's it's it was easiest for us to focus on a case that was manageable, not only from like a, a useful size and everything else, but it's also, you know, when you're R&D in something and you're going through a lot of waste and material and things that are going into these cases so that you can perfect it that stuff is not usable. You're buying it, you're producing it, but it's going in the garbage almost every time until you get that perfect piece. And then from that perfect piece, you begin producing the, the manufactured ones that you're going to sell. And so had we started with the the rifle case or something bigger, I mean, we would have been, you know, in the poorhouse living in a gutter trying to, <laughs> trying right. to, to yep. make this work. So, you know, it's, it was a lot of strategy that went into why we launched with the pistol case and we get it. I mean, it's not the right size for everyone, but we have sold a lot of them. And a lot of people, you know, we've not received one piece of negative feedback on the case. Everybody who's received it's been like, damn, this is not what I was expecting. This is better than I was expecting. This is doing what I thought it was going to do. And so we're, you know, our our social media, our brand image, all that stuff, we, we think through that. But we're also doing a lot of time thinking through the product development and the release, too. And making sure that what we have is exactly what we want to have for the next few years while we're growing this. And we're making sure that, you know, if we're sending a case to someone, we want them to be happy with it. We don't want them to come back and be like, man, what what is this? So that's why it took us three years to get to this point. And why we launched with the case that we did was because this one was the best, the best case that we wanted to launch with to be able to say, hey, it's an affordable price point. You can try it before you go out and you buy a rifle case, which obviously will be more expensive. We didn't want to hit people with a big sticker before they even have a chance to try something and then not have an opportunity to, to have an affordable case to get in and say, hey, oh, wow, this is pretty sweet. So uh just it's it's kind of funny that you're on actually because it wasn't it wasn't a week or two ago i don't even remember what i was doing but for some reason i was wondering how people make foam like 
how the hell is foam made? So my question is to you is how, how do you guys, what's the manufacturing process? How the hell do you actually make this foam? Yeah. I mean, it's, um, I can't speak to all foams. Obviously it's, you know, foam is, is like anything else. Tons of shit is developed in different ways. Ours is a liquid right. product. It starts as a liquid product. Um, I we, we use molds and, and one thing that we're doing that a lot of other brands are not, I mean, you do see some brands that are foam companies that will laser cut. They'll, you know, they'll do all sorts of shit in the, in the lid, but it's laser and there's waste and all that stuff. We're pretty much a no waste production process and I'll get, I'll get back to the actual process, but you know, in, in the gamma case, we have uh, our logo or icon in the lid. And we'll be able to do that for, you know, B2B partners, brands. Um, and, you know, in the future, we may get to a point where you may be able to upload a photo and actually get custom lids, you know, for your cases right there. Um, today, we're just focused on, on our brand. Um, but the reason that we can do that is because our foam starts out as a liquid. So we can make molds and pour and have whatever we want in that all the way down to photorealism. Um, that manufacturing process would be much more difficult, time consuming, but it is possible. Um, there's all sorts of crazy stuff that you can do with aluminum molds when you're, when you're pouring liquid into one. Um, and so it's, it's, you know, like a, how it's made. I mean, it's, you know, there's a, an assembly line type deal. There's a conveyor system, there's robots, it's all automated. Um, and we work with a partner who does stuff with Reebok, Nike, you know, all the big, big players that, you know, they want, they want shoe soles or gaskets for their automotive doors. Um, so it's, you know, for us, we were kind of a new, a new avenue for them because they make smaller parts. We came in, we wanted something bigger and they're like, yeah, that's sweet for us, more material. So, um, it's been a fun journey for me as a, I come from the media side of things. You know, I've worked in the gun industry for almost 10 years. Um, I have no manufacturing background. My partner does, he's been in manufacturing for, you know, over a decade, so it's a good mix between he and I um, on, you know, what I know, what he knows and what we can bring together. And then we do have a third uh, minority owner as well um, out in New Mexico, who's been uh, strategically very, very good for us. Um, also, he's a, another gun industry dude as well. Okay. I'm curious, is the, the, uh, the foam, is there, is the middle of it separate from the top layer or is that all one piece so so when you say the middle layer are you talking like hey there's there's multiple inserts in here or are you talking about no. yeah hey, there's yeah. foam yep so this is foam and then this is a, a, a another layer which we call the skin layer and so um you know not the player layer but the skin layer it's um this is what gives you all of like the more aggressive kind of properties that give you the cut resistant the heat resistance the foam actually has heat resistance as well to, to 400, but the skin can go even farther beyond that. Wow. Um, and so we did that dual layer design for that exact reason, because like, okay, you know, I've got, I don't know, a suppressor. I got a bunch of shit laid out here, but I've got a suppressor and maybe it's, you know, I, it was cool enough for me to take off my gun, the host gun, but it was still too hot to put in a traditional case. So with this one, throw it in there, close it up and you're good to go. Um, so it's, you know, it was a very specific design purpose, which was to one, give it a clean look, give us the ability to make sure that we had clean logos, all that stuff, because a standard, just straight foam 
will still be porous. I mean, there's air transfer. That's how memory foam works. But with this, this layer on top, it gives us that ability to put logos in, make it very clean, do colors, do all sorts of different stuff, and enhance the durability of the product itself. Can you tell, tell us what kind of material that skin is? Um, I can't <laughs> or only because what, we're... <laughs> or what, what it may, what it, what it resembles, I guess. Is it kind of, is it, is it rubbery or what would you... Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a rubbery feel, but I mean, it, you can see it, it's, it's a very specific, um, uh, density so that it plays with the foam. So you would expect something that's like that to not move, to not have those properties, but it does all the same stuff because it's, you know, we went through hundreds of hours of trial and error to get the right density of that actual that layer to make sure that it would conform and it would bend and it would do what you want it to do with the foam because i mean there were certain times that we tried it where we had thicker skin thinner skin and either the thinner skin wouldn't work properly or the thicker skin would not it just wouldn't rebound it wouldn't have the same memory characteristics so where we net it out is this one which is which is great i mean you have about a 10 to 15 second rebound full rebound um, on whatever you put in there. And I mean, you can put, this is my, probably my favorite demo because a lot of people look at it and they say, well, that's great, but it's not going to work with glass or it's not going to work with, you know, something that's more fragile. And so what I do is you've got my phone, which is a pro max, which is almost the exact depth of the case itself. So if I put that in there and I just put it in straight up and down, I can close it all the way down without an issue. So the foam will really conform to anything you put in it. I mean, I got my bourbon glass. I don't know if it's <laughs> my bourbon glass. <laughs> It'll close down on top of it too, without any issue. And that's an open cavity glass too. So, you know, it's not the type of thing where it's a closed glass, like a bottle or something else where you have a lot more of that structural density that you would with something that's tapered off at the top. It's meant to withstand some abuse. It's like, if I drop this, it's going to break. Um, so it's, it's meant to do that. It's meant to accept a lot more than you would expect in there. Um, and it's, you know, it's whatever you can fit surface wise in there. So like, this is a uh, Walther, you match comp gun. And then, uh, G 17, um with uh i don't think these won't fit maybe but i got something else as well um this is the xdm 10 mil so as long as like they'll fit in there surface wise you can close up shop and you're good to go um and then you can double layer too one thing that i that i always like to tell is when we made a prototype of the rifle case last year um I checked, it was like a Pelican 1510 or something like that. We were screwing around with basically every case on the market, making stuff, testing stuff out. And we made a demo rifle case and it was, you know, traditionally a one gun rifle case. You have your base layer, which is the pad layer for your gun. And then the middle layer is traditionally the pick and pluck layer. You pluck the shit out and then you put your gun in there. It sits on the pad and then the eggshell comes down on top and it closes it up. Well, the, the rifle case is going to be just like the pistol case in that you'll have your base layer and your middle layer. You'll be able to stack whatever you can fit in that bottom layer, put the middle layer on top and stack whatever you can fit on the top layer and close it up. And I flew down to Texas with four long guns in what is traditionally a one gun Pelican case. Optics on it, rifles, bolts out loose in the case and checked it on delta like well let's see what fucking happens on here you know we'll see if this goes well um and i arrived and everything was fine 
So that's really where we're going with this is that we want we want to maximize your ability to carry stuff and also protect it. And I think, you know, most of these companies have focused too much on the case. Can we make it look cooler? Can we make the latches different? But they didn't focus on what actually matters, which is what's inside, which is the foam. And my partner always likes to say, like, we designed it from the inside out. And that's really what we're focused on is, man, you could probably put this foam in a cardboard box and get close to similar protection, you know, with some of the shittier cases on the market. And it's because <laughs> the foam is meant to be that kind of pillow cloud type, like, man, whatever you put in there, it encapsulates and it just basically closes around it and it creates a perfect form every time, no matter what. So that's, that's what, what we got going on. And we're, we're excited about it too. Nick in the comments is wondering about the weight. That's something, that's an aspect I hadn't thought of too. Memory sure. foam mattresses I know are heavy as a motherfucker. What, how, how heavy is this, this stuff? Yeah. So the foam itself in the, in the, um, the gamma case here is 288 grams. I think it's like 50 grams more than the standard, um, pick and pluck foam. If that. It's not, it's, it's negligible. The biggest, the biggest difference is that skin layer. Um, the foam is the foam and it's going to weigh about the same. So I think, you know, if you had standard pick and pluck foam in this case, it would be like three and a half pounds, maybe like between three and a half and four pounds in our case is right around four pounds. So it's not a lot. And I mean, the truth is, is like your case is going to have more stuff in it than it normally would anyways. So it's, it's up to you once you feel the case, test the case, like it, you know, enjoy it. You could carry double what you normally would in the gamma case, even just on a pistol side. I mean, I can fit easily two full-size guns um, and, you know, six or seven mags in that case. And if you had it with pick and pluck foam, you would fit maybe one, one full-size gun. Um, you might be able to fit two subcompacts in there and maybe a, a magazine. Um, but you know, it, it, it's up to how you want to use it. And we've done a lot of drop testing too. I mean, it's, it's always funny to see, you know, people talking shit in the comments and they're like, Oh, okay, we'll put, you know, put a gun in there with some mags. And it's like, man, how about I put like three guns in there and mags in my eyeglasses, or I'll put six guns or six eggs in there and throw it off a 30 foot roof. Like it, it is funny to see what you can do in this. And I still get shocked a lot of times when, you know, I'll put stuff in there and then I'll be like, Oh God, is this going to work? <laughs> and then it does. And I'm like, Oh God, it, it worked. I mean, it's shit. This, it continues to surprise even us, um, which is what we want. I mean, we don't, we don't want it to be something that's like, we reach a, we reach a max threshold and we're like, okay, that's as far as we can go. That's not what we're planning for, for this company. I dig it. I dig it. I'm uh I got I only have one case. I went I flew down to where the heck did I go? Florida, I think, a couple of years ago, and I ended up taking my uh taking my gun, so I had to go buy a case. But you're right, that foam stuff, and I had never really thought about it too much, but that foam stuff, um, the pick the plick and pick and pluck, that's like it's a horrible option because I'm so I'm kind of like anal. So when you 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 pick it, you know there's no curves in it. It's all, it's all corners. It just doesn't look, it looks yep. like shit. And, um, 
So I like this. I like this uh, memory foam idea. I think I am going to order me one uh, as soon as uh, we're off you, of this. I, you I'm are going to get one. Well, I'm not going to send one to Nick and not send them to you guys too. You guys are going to get a couple cases too. <laughs> well, so shit, awesome. I'd be happy yeah. to. I would have that dick move. Hey, Nick, I'm going to get you a case, but you guys, you're going to have to order them. Like, no, nah, man, you got to hook, oh, you, guys. We'll hook you guys up. No, I'm, awesome. uh, I'm excited. I, uh, I think this is a freaking awesome idea. And as I was saying too, about like the other cases, I, I went and Googled a Pelican case, the exact same size, um, right now is double the price of you guys. Are, I don't think you've mentioned the the price, but I'm looking on your website here and the, the gamma is a 59.99. Yep. Um, which is a hell of a hell of a good price for uh for a great product. Um, but as I was saying, the Pelican, I went and Googled that as double the price. But I think a lot of that you're paying <clears throat> for you're paying for a name. You're also paying for, you know, personnel and all the the people that they have. I mean, it's ultimately I think people are becoming more cognizant of supply chain and all the shit that goes into it and and what you know corporations have and don't have and you know we run lean and we do it on purpose and it's because if we're the leaner we are and the more stress we put on ourselves in this business the better prices that we can offer to people and we want it that way i mean we don't you know it, it's a double-edged sword we've had people say like i don't know your your product's not expensive enough and for us it's it's not about that. It's more about we really want people to have better options in the case world. And we don't want price to be the point that they come in and say, yeah, that looks sweet. I really want your product, but I can get pick and pluck foam, which I've had for, you know, the last 10 years. It works good enough. And it, yeah, it's about the same price. It's like, no, man, like once you get this, you're going to see why pick and pluck foam is just not the option. Because it's it is a one time use. It's it's like going. It's the throwaway economy of foams. I mean, you go out and you're like, yeah, okay, cool, and then you jack it up. You you don't pluck your foam correctly, and it doesn't even do what it's supposed to do. Versus our foam, which is you just throw your shit in there and you close it up, and you're you have better protection and more customization just by closing the lid than you do by spending half an hour plucking foam from an original case and getting pissed off and you know probably putting it down two or three times and be like, fuck this. I don't like, <laughs> you know? Um, so, uh, speaking of names, I got to ask Kraken. Um, how would, what exactly, yeah, man, how'd you guys man. come up with that name? Dude, naming a company is not easy. It is it, not it easy. Is not. I mean, we went through a bunch of names and, and trying to figure out what to name it. And, uh, so my partner and I have actually known each other since we were about 15 and, um, you know, we lived together in college type of deal. And, um, you know, so there was, there was probably just as much time spent trying to figure out the name as there was developing the product itself. And I think we netted out on Kraken like, like this year before we launched, you know, um, but we both liked it. And it's one of those things where it's like, man, you know, you sit around, you say a name, you're like, that's cool. And you're like, that's not fucking cool. I don't like that. You know, and it's and the more times you say something, the you're either going to get pissed off and you're going to pretend like you like it or you don't, you know, you'll be honest and you'll be like, I don't actually like that. And so you you start to go down a path of like, OK, this is cool. Is there like is there creative play in this? Can we do something that's that's both visually appealing and the name sounds good? And are we happy with it? Because if we're happy with it, it's less likely that people are going to say the name and be like, I don't ever want to say that name again. Yeah. I, you know, I don't I don't like that. 
So the Kraken was, you know, Kraken was the top of the list for us because one, it has a lot of mythos to it. Obviously, you know, it goes back to the Greeks, you know, there's a lot of discussion. Was it the Greeks? Was it the, the Norse? Um, but it has a lot of mythos to it. It's cool. It's, it's a little bit more aggressive and, and where we see the brand, where we want the brand to be is kind of like Blade Runner, you know, where it's, it's dingy, but futuristic at the same time in terms of the branding, because it's, you know, we're in that kind of weird, like, you know, transition of culture too, where you have a lot of greens, you have a lot of neons and you'll see it in the site also where it's, you know, it's, we want it to be something that we can evolve over time and we didn't want it to be a, a name or creative that would get stuck and just be like, we're a gun company or we're a gun case company that makes foam and, you know, that's it. We wanted something that we could evolve into. And I think Kraken does that for us. So when is there commercials coming out about releasing the Kraken? <laughs> Dude, we already released it. What are you talking about? <laughs> I got it's already it. out. Yeah, I got come on. I got to go find that. I looked at some of a, a lot of your videos, but I didn't see that one. So I got to go find that. <laughs> now, I mean, it's it's hard too because it's like you you don't want to you don't want to do the easiest thing, which is release the crack. And I always laugh because right. people post it. People post on the Facebook page and they're like, so you've released the Kraken? And it's like, all right, man. Yeah, shit. We released it. Fuck. You just came up with that. Um, but no, it's uh, at some point in time, we'll we'll do it because it's, you know, it's why not? Oh, yeah. Um, but there's there's a lot of stuff that we're excited about. I mean, branding, content. There's a lot of stuff in the works. Um, one of the things I mentioned before was the new case. So this is. The Gamma case is our first case. This one is called Icarus. This is our phone, sunglass, you know, smaller case. And it's so funny because everybody on the on our social channels is like, when's a bigger case? When's a bigger case? And I was talking to my partner and I'm like, everybody's going to be so pissed because our next case is a smaller case. But <laughs> it is it is fucking cool because it's it is another good example of something that people can get into at a reasonable price. So be in like the 30 to $35 range. It fits, uh, I don't know what I did with my phone. It fits a pro max. Um, any of the iPhone pro max, it's that size. It's great for knives. It's great for sunglasses. Um, and so we're excited about this one because it's another great option. Um, we have the big case coming out. The rifle case will be out this year and people will be able to buy it. But for those people that want to get into something that's a little bit smaller and say, you know what, I like what these guys are doing. I like this product. I just want to make sure that I they're selling something that I really actually want. This will be an even more affordable option that is useful also. I mean, we're not selling products just to see what it's like. This is something that you can put your phone in, put your sunglasses in. It's multi-purpose and you can throw it and beat the shit out of it and it will keep your stuff safe. And that's really ultimately what we're going for are products that are affordable, useful, and do what we say we're going to do, which is keep your shit from breaking. I don't remember if it was mentioned or not. Are these cases waterproof? Yeah, um, they are waterproof, dustproof. Um, they have pressure valves on them. So... Um, you know, they do all the things that you would want a normal hard case to do, which is another, you know, thing that we go for. We don't, you know, we're not choosing inferior products just for the sake of profit margins. We're chasing the best possible cases that we can get out to people with also that fit into our manufacturing process and provide, you know, the, the best prices, the best, you know, the best end product. I see that on a lot of cases of pressure valves. Explain uh, 
explain the need for those? I mean, is it just a flying thing when you're flying or what's the need for the pressure? Depth, height. I mean, it's basically just to, to let the, the pressure build up in the case out of there. Um, and so it's, you see it a lot in the case company we're using right now is, is very dive specific. And so it's, you know, it's one of those things where you just, you don't want the case to pop open, burst, you know, it's pressure building inside the case. So you want to be able to let some of that excess okay, pressure sure. out, out of the case. Sure. Gotcha. Gotcha. You guys have any, you guys have any questions? Sorry. I've been ranting for, uh, this turned into the Kraken podcast <laughs> for the last 10 minutes. Sorry. I mean, I, you know, to be honest, and... you've been talking and I've been over here checking off. Uh, yeah, <laughs> questions. questions. <laughs> like, God damn, yeah. I'm running out of shit. Um, I did yeah, want to so talk a little bit about you. And you said you had a history or a background in media and the firearm industry. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I've worked for a company um, for the last 10 years. And so um, on the media side of things, and um, I work on the content side. So, you know, managing blogs, you know, on the, on the gun review, gun, uh, gun content, video content. We do a lot of hunting content. I'm actually still full time, um, at that company. And so we've, we've been, I mean, we're, we're dual path in it. You know, like every startup is you work two jobs until you just can't do it anymore. The company gets to a point where you can go full time. Um, and so, um, that's what I've been doing for the last 10 years. And I've built a, you know, big Rolodex in the gun industry. And, and one thing that I think people would be surprised about is that, you know, we're like super cautious about how we're trying to get the word out there and get the products out there. We're slow playing everything for the sole purpose of making sure that we're growing the brand properly, um, and not just flooding the market and not meeting the demand or the expectations of the consumers. I mean, it's easy, I think, for brands to launch and be like, we need to sell as much shit as we can in the fastest amount of time. And if we screw it up, it doesn't matter because we got money coming in. For us, we're, we're being very specific and very calculated about how we grow so that we can give consumers and our customers the same experience across the board. Because um, we don't want to do is, is sell something and then have it be a three-week delay or sell something and someone gets it and it's like, well, we rushed it out the door and the manufacturing process wasn't quite there and that's okay because you don't know any better. It's like, no, we are very specific about what we send to people, making sure that it's good, making sure that the product is right. And so, you know, we're, we're going through this and saying like, okay, when we launch this, this is what we're going to do. Like maybe we pre-sale, maybe we have limited quantities for the very specific reason that, you know, what you get is what we want you to get and not just a rush product. Um, but back to my day job, it's, it's very specific to um, a lot of stuff that you guys have probably seen um, in terms of gun reviews and all that stuff. Um, it's, you know, if you go on my LinkedIn, you'd be able to see what company it is. It's, I don't know if you've heard of the firearm blog, outdoor hub, all outdoor, there's content sites that um, that I work with, work with those guys all the time. And, and you go on the sites and you'll see, I mean, there's no content about cracking on there. I'm very, very, um, you know, church and state about my day job and my side job and making sure that what I'm doing with Kraken is after hours scheduled, you know, and so it's, um, it's difficult, but it's worthwhile. You know, it's, I think most people this, you know, you guys are here and doing this podcast. And I think most people have evolved into the, 
I just have a bunch of jobs that I do and it's, you know, it's great, but for me, it's my day job and also Kraken. And that's my focus right now. <clears throat> and looks like he has something to say. No, I just, uh, just had a shot of whiskey, a little, little snort of whiskey. <laughs> I remember my first time I had whiskey. <laughs> so, so what about your, your background in firearms? What's your history with firearms? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I think <clears throat> I'll be the first to say, and I, I think we've, we've got such like a, an interesting community in the firearm community. So I didn't grow up with guns no guns in my household. My dad never shot. No one taught me how to shoot a gun. And it was, uh, geez, <clears throat> I think maybe 12 years ago, 10 years ago. Um, when I got married and I was like, you know, I like, shit, I need a gun, you know, like most people, I think start down this path. They're like, you know, I feel naked. I need a gun. So I went, I went to a, uh, a local gun store and I just walked in, you know, like dork supreme. I'm like, I want to rent a gun. And I rented a 1911 45 ACP and I shot it. And I was like, cool. That was pretty sweet. <laughs> and it's, you know, it, and it, and it started from there. Um, and so I, you know, I, I'm never going to say that I'm like Mr. You know, know everything about guns, know every tactic and, you know, I'm civilian military master, whatever. I wasn't in the military. I'm not an LEO. Um, I just like guns for the sole purpose of what they provide to you, which is protection and, and not a guarantee that you're going to be able to do anything to defend yourself, but it gives you the ability to do it. And I think in the world we have today, there's too many people that are willing to farm out their safety and security and ignore the things that are most pressing in their life, which is saving your own life, saving your family's life, or saving the life of people that are around you. I've never been in the position, but I can only imagine what it's like to watch something happen and be powerless to stop it. And I think for me, that's where guns come in. And it's, it's a very, you know, very specific thing that you have to respect it and you have to train. And I just had a long conversation with someone at my son's soccer practice today. He was a former cop and we were talking about it. And I said, man, you look down the street. I bet you every third house has a gun. I bet you of that 75% of those people probably bought a gun and never shot it. And it sits in their house. And it, it's sad because it's, we look at it and we say, okay, I bought a gun. I checked the box. It's in a box in my house and that's it. It's like, no, man, there's so much more to it than that. You get your gun and then yes, you shoot it. But then how are you shooting it? Is somebody teaching you how to do it? Or is somebody helping you understand the dynamics of shooting, reloading, tactical reloads, understanding like, even though you have a gun, even though you're armed, do you even need to engage this person? Do you need to pull your gun? Are you in a situation where you you pulling your gun is actually going to help or hurt? And it's it's one of those things where it's like, man, once you go down that rabbit hole and you start thinking about things critically in the gun in the gun world, you're like, shit, I really don't know what the hell's going on. And I don't know if you guys have a similar thought on it, but it's you know, 100%. it's humbling. It's as humbling as you allow yourself to be humbled. And I think a lot of people refuse to be humbled when it comes to guns. 
I think uh, everything you just described from how you got into guns to your your thoughts on them and everything pretty much is exactly in line yeah. with, with pretty much with both of us from how we got into guns to to our whole philosophy on everything. So I couldn't agree more with you. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah. hard. And it's the other thing, too, that I think um, it, it sucks about the gun industry is um a lot of people raise their hands and say, yeah, I want to train. I want to learn something. And then you have people that don't know what the fuck they're talking about that train you. And if you're uneducated, you go to someone who's also uneducated, but they seem like they know what they're talking about. Um, and that's the, that's hard too, because it's how do you decode that? How do you break away from that and find people that really do know what they're talking about and give you the the information that you need to save yourself or save someone else. If it really goes to that point where you have no other option. Do you read yeah. very much? Random question. Do you read much? <laughs> I'm an audio book guy. So I, I am, uh, I, I love reading. I really do, but I don't have a lot of time. And so I go down the audio book path only because I, you see me, anybody that knows me, I typically always have an earbud in and I have a book playing in my ear throughout the day. I fall asleep with a book, you know, playing. Um, and it's mostly because it's like, man, if I had time to sit down and read a book, that would be awesome. But it's like, I have three kids, I have cracking going on. I got my day job. I got a lot of shit going on and I just, I don't have time to sit down and read. So I've long ago, I gave that up and I was like, I'm going to do audiobooks now. And that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I get that. I, I ask because... You're echoing a, a lot of sentiments sentiments from a book that we're cur currently reading. We just started a, a book club or a men's book club for like nice. self-defense and philosophy and shit like that. And the book we're, we started off with is called Violence of Mind by, by Varg Freeborn. Have you read that? I've not read that. He, you're, it's almost like you're just reading out of that book and echoing really? a lot of echoing a lot of sentiments that he has in that book. And it, that's what it reminded me of. And I think, so I'll I mean, tell it sounds you, like you would enjoy that book. I'll tell you where a lot of this stuff came from. I met a guy, I don't know, like six years ago, um, Jim Staley. He, he owns a company called tack gas at the time. It was primarily delivered dynamics we did some video work with them and we filmed this trailer for the show that was like a pilot and um it was called uh, beyond breaking but the class that he taught he had a training arm of his retail company and he was a force recon marine and he did a force on force training called gunfighter and it was what it was was like hey we're gonna beat the fucking shit out of you and we're gonna show you that you don't know what the hell you're talking about or what you're doing and so we did this pilot and I'm like, damn, that looks sweet. I'm going to sign up and I'm going to go. <clears throat> so I went to this course. And when I tell you that uh, this was the closest I've ever felt like I was actually going to die, I mean it. Um, it was the type of thing where he had a couple guys who were, you know, jujitsu black belts and they're all kitted up in their force on force gear. They've got pads and helmets and you just have a helmet. And it's like midnight in a house and you've got UTMs and you're, you know, you're you've got a Glock 19 shooting UTMs. And the, a lot of this shit that I'm talking about comes from this because it's humbling to be in a position where it's like you're safe, but you're not. And he puts a hood on my head and he walks me into this house and he's like, okay, I'm going to walk you through the house. It's midnight. We've been training all day. And I'm, you know, you got a hood on your head and a helmet and I'm going to walk you through this house and I'm going to stick you in a corner. And then when I tell you to go, I'm going to pull the hood off, get your gun and find your way out of the house. I'm like, okay. So he, 
he sticks me in the corner. It's if you imagine yourself sitting in a corner like it's a horror movie and the corner is literally right here in front of your face <laughs> and you got a hood on. And the only thing you can see is your flashlight in between your legs focusing up on you. And he says, go. And somebody comes from behind me and grabs me by the head and pulls me into the middle of the room. And two guys just start beating the shit out of me. And you got this guy screaming at you and he's like, they're going to fucking kill you, you know? And, and so a lot of it comes down to, for me, it's like finding ways to put myself in situations which are safe, but at the same time, they'll teach me that one, no matter how much I think I know, I don't, I have no clue. I really don't. And two, they give me the ability to be able to, to learn and reflect and go down a path that says like, okay, you just took yourself and you did something that one, you, you, probably were scared to do in the first place and two is like man that's real life like no one fights fair no one is gonna treat you well and be like okay in this scenario i'm gonna i'm gonna push you and then you need to come back and draw your gun and shoot me it's like no man like i'm gonna beat you until you can't fight anymore and then we're gonna beat you some more and you have to keep fighting because if you don't you're dead in real life um and so there was a lot of reflection coming out of that training because it was ultimately like, man, I really like, you know, I was at that point where I was like, oh man, I got a gun and I'm like, I got a gun in my house and I'm good because I'll just like draw it and go and I'm, I know what I'm doing. And now it's more of like, look, even if I have a gun in my house, I'll tell you the first thing that I would do is collect my kids. If I wake up and I'm on the second story and my, I hear something downstairs and I really think it's something, I'm not going down there to look to see what it is. I'm going to go get my kids. I'm going to bring everyone into one room and I'm going to draw a gun. I'm going to close the door. I'm going to call the cops. I do not need to ever shoot a gun at a person if I don't have to. Because typically what that means is that they're going to shoot back at you. And if I can avoid that, I would love to do that at all costs. And I think, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to decide at some point where it's like, look, yes, we all have these ideas of like, man, I got a gun and I've trained and I'm a gunfighter now. It's like, hey, dude, like I'm a dad and I'm 39 and I'm like out of shape. And, you know, I don't I don't need to do this to prove that I'm a man. What I need to do is the right thing for my family and the right thing for myself and and everyone else and make sure that I'm approaching every situation clear headed and right minded and that I'm doing what is right no matter what. And you can't really do that if you don't think about that stuff beforehand and really think through like, okay, somebody breaks into my house and I'm upstairs and they're downstairs. Do I need to engage them? I don't know. Probably not. Not if I can call the cops and then get there in time and I'm ready if I need to do something else. So I, that was a long winded way of saying like, I really try and reflect on a lot of things that, you know, could happen. Or I see a situation and I sit down and think about it. And I'm like, okay, what the fuck would I do if that happened to me? Like, damn. I don't know. And then go down that path with that kind yeah. of lens. Too many, too many gun owners have a distorted view, a or like a Hollywood view of how things are going to go down when they ever, if they think they ever going to ever need their, their firearm, like they're going to kick down a, go a gun and go rolling across, across the floor and John wick, 14 dudes in the face in three seconds. No, you're, you're most of you are probably just going to shit your pants and not really do <laughs> anything. And there's Dude. the other guys that are just, oh, I can't wait until somebody kicks in my kicks in my door and I can shoot him right in the face. Like, you're not going to do that, and you don't want that. If you do want that, and that is what you're going to do, well, you should, you should probably rethink some things here, clarify why you want that and why you need to do that. I'm yeah, it's like self-awareness is the first step to true, like, 
potentially life-saving kind of, you know, decisions. Yeah. Well, you mentioned something, you mentioned something that I think is vitally important, like just thinking about these things ahead of time. Cause that's like, that's one of the biggest things is, is know what the hell you're going to do. Um, and, and the other thing, when you were talking about your training, like so many people think that, well, if, if, if I, if I get into this situation, this is how I'm going to handle it. And, and it'll be okay. It'll be okay. I lift weights on the weekend or, you know, I'm a badass. I can handle it. Well, no, when the shit hits the fan and you know, your life is on the line, you're going to revert back to, there's a, there's a saying that you revert back to your training. And if you've never, if you've never done anything, you know, and if you never thought about it, what are you going to revert to, you know, and it, it's not going to go that the way that you think it's going to go in, in that sort of situation. So it's absolutely. funny. It's, it's like, uh, this popped into my head, but I think it's a good, a good way to look at it. It's like saying like, all right, I'm, I'm going to be a ballet dancer because I watched some ballet and I can, I, I saw those moves. I can do it. I'm going to go, I'm going to go and I'm going to go in a fucking nutcracker in front of 30,000 people. And then I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And I think it's very similar to that where it's reflexively, you want to think that you can do whatever you, you in your mind can imagine. And a lot of cases that's true, but not when it comes to, you know, moving your body in a certain way and being able to draw a gun, reload, be be able to instinctively say, like, I need to move. I just shot at X and now I need to move over there because they know I'm here and they're going to be shooting back at me here. And now I need to go over there. And I think it's, um, you know, it's you don't know what you don't know. And, you know, I think it, I think everybody is everybody that is willing to and is willing to spend time to learn is just helping themselves down the road to to be more humble and be like damn okay i'm glad i did that i wish i could speak as eloquently as you do i've been trying to say <laughs> like 90 percent of the things that you've said in this podcast i've been trying to say for like three years now <laughs> hey man don't worry been about able it to <laughs> The more you think about it, then it's just, it just spews out. Sometimes I'm just like, you know, I'll sit and talk for a while and then I'm like, shit, uh, hopefully, hopefully people are getting sick of hearing me talk. Cause I've just been talking for 20 minutes straight, you know? Yeah. That's like, that's also on the podcast every week. We listen to ourselves. Well, I think I sounded like an idiot here. And hmm, do I actually sound like an idiot? <laughs> nope. Not too bad. <laughs> well, I know you guys had other stuff that you want to talk about. Um, one thing I'd say is um, head over to crackingcases.com for anybody that's listening. Check out the the cases. I'm going to send you guys a couple cases to check out. Um, and then, you know, I, I will create a, um, I can create a discount code for your users. Um, we'll do it live free. Um, we can do free shipping on that. Um, for anybody that's listening to the thing, I'll have it set up by tomorrow. Um, so that code will be live free for anyone who's listening and wants to get a case with free shipping. You are welcome to use it. Awesome, man. Awesome. Oh, Thank yeah. you very much. Our, uh, yeah, you got we, uh, we all appreciate that. No problem. Yeah. Wow. Didn't expect half of that shit. Hey, man. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I guess you're you're better host than I am making that nice little <laughs> transition into <laughs> other topics. So I guess we did have a couple other topics to talk about tonight. Sam, do you want to talk about the pistol brace ban and the amnesty period? Yeah, I think I think we probably should. That's something we haven't touched on yet. Um, it's something that we've talked about off and on for the last couple of years. Everyone knew it was coming. 
Um, but essentially what's going on, if you're not familiar, um, the ATF has changed their mind on pistol braces. So I think it was back in like 2012, I believe it was under the Obama administration, the ATF first okayed these. Um, you know, took a look at them, say, yep, these are fine. They don't turn it into a pistol brace. Uh, and since then, you know, the first one was like a, I can't, the first, the first pistol brace was fugly. I mean, it was an ugly thing. Um, but ever since then, technologies came a long way in the design and everything. Um, and people were basically using them as kind of workarounds a little bit. <clears throat> but now the ATF has decided uh, that that is no longer okay. And they are, Basically, kind of by decree, um, saying that any any weapon with a, a stabilizing brace on it is going to be a short barrel rifle. There's there's a lot more mo <clears throat> jargon to it than that. There's a whole freaking worksheet with like a you got to add up a bunch of things, and if you get over like a four or something like that, um, that it's an SBR. Well, there's no gun, there's no stabilizing brace basically in ex in existence. It's going to pass that whole test. So what the ATF has decided is they're going to give us an amnesty period. I believe this is starting December 28th is kind of the the, the loose uh, date on this. Um, but you'll have 90 days to register your pistol-braced AR or pistol-braced gun as an SBR. And they're doing the amnesty period on this so you don't have to pay the $200 tax stamp. Um, so... You there is you got to send in to my knowledge you have to send in pictures of it as well. There's, there's just all sorts of really shady shit going on here. But my question is, if you have to send in pictures and all this stuff, um, I have lots of questions actually. But that seems to imply that they're going to be able to deny you if you have to apply for this. I mean, it seems rare, very odd that you would have to send in pictures at several different angles. I believe they're on one of the back angle and all. It's it's ludicrous. But it seems to me that they're not going to just accept anyone if you have to apply for this. Um, and the second question I have, I believe Gun Owners of America put out a statement the other day that said, being there's 20 to 40 million of these in America, if everyone was to apply for this, that it at the current rate, it would take the ATF 80 years to work through all of these pistol braces and 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 approve them. So how is this? How is this even feasible? How is this? How are they even going to do this? Is my question. I don't understand. I'm sure they got some some sort of amazing algorithm like Facebook to just go right through them. They'll be done in like a month. <clears throat> This one's good. This one's not. This one's good. This one's not. And the computer's going to make the decisions for them. Right. <laughs> right. And this is the other part of this is um, I don't think people really realize this has been talked about for a long time, but people don't realize that if the ATF decides to come down on you and you get in trouble for having a SBR, that's no joke. This is not a this is not a slap on the wrist type of situation. This is this is 10 years in prison. And I believe it's like a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar fine. I mean, this is not a, this is not no. some, you know, it's just some ticket they're going to write you to say don't do this again. Um, and, and what's really baffling me is I have not seen this massive outcry yet. I'm hoping that's coming, but I think the ATF just thinks they can get away with this because of the whole bump stock debacle 
And now the the um, the trigger, um, rare breed trigger debacle, they're just kind of getting away with this shit. But those were kind of under the radar <clears throat> stuff. And pistol braces are so mainstream in the gun industry now. I mean, bump stocks weren't. These triggers aren't. I think that if they're really going to start poking the bear, I can't imagine that some that there's not such a massive outcry, especially with the election coming up. If the election goes our way and the Congress swings back to, you know, to our side, I think there's going to be hell to pay with the ATF. But I don't know. What are you guys' thoughts on this whole situation? I mean, for me, the biggest thing is is compliance is what is this is all going to come down to is what percentage of people are going to comply to this versus won't. And that's going to define is this valid or not. And, I, you know, there's there's a lot of <clears throat> there's a lot of like, oh, shit, you know, in my world and in, at least in my mind, it's it's one. How do they how do they say as the ATF, we've notified you? You may or may not own this. Like when you buy a gun and, uh, you know, you are, you know, shall not be infringed. This is my gun. I have bought this legally at the time of purchase. I bought this and and this pistol brace was legal when I bought it. And I, hey, I don't consume media. I don't watch the news. There's no ATF like special on Fox News or CNN or whatever that says, hey, hey, man, if you own a pistol brace, like the mesothelioma ads on the news, like, are they going to buy media? Are they going to run it? How are they going to define that they have done and exhausted the resources to notify the public, the 20 to 40 million people in this country who have those, or, you know, there's probably multiple per, um, that, that, Hey, you can't have this anymore. So I think legally there's probably ground there that someone could file a suit to say, look, you didn't do your due diligence to notify the gun owners in the U S that you've that you've done this because this is technically the largest post facto you know decision that they've made on something that has been sold and now is in the public domain and then they've come out so i think they have a big awareness issue that potentially could be legally problematic for them um, but the next one is they haven't issued any intent um, uh, standings on it either so like you can technically buy, I believe, a uh, an auto sear as long as you don't have a machined lower for that auto sear. It's not illegal yep. to own it. Yep. Now, if you have a buffer tube that has the the six position, you know, um, tube tube setup, but maybe a company, an enterprising company, comes out and says, "Okay, we're going to sell a semi permanent or a permanent fixture for that." Does that remove the intent? Because the 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 pistol brace itself is not going to be illegal. What's going to be illegal is the pistol brace in combination with the AR pistol. So in my mind, it's like, look, if you own an AR pistol and you don't want this is not legal advice, by the way. I'm not an attorney. I don't you know don't don't quote me on this. But my view on it would be this: is like, hey, if you own an AR pistol and you're worried about compliance, just take the fucking thing off there until you figure out what you're going to do and until they issue intent background on it which says like okay you have an air pistol with a buffer tube that accepts a stock six position stock or a pistol brace or whatever it is and you have that here well is intent that i own it and maybe it's somewhere else is does it can i have it in my house but in a different room what is the intent of the pistol brace with the the air pistol like because to me 
I think when you look back at the New York issue that they had a while back where they said, okay, New York, uh, anyone who owes an ARS to register it. And it's like two people register the AR. And overnight they make felons out of however many people in New York own an AR. And I think when you look at that, it's, it goes back to the, the principle of laws are imposed, but if there's no compliance, is it, does it matter? And if this isn't a law and I, and like, I, I totally get it. This is the ATF, you know, extrajudiciously coming in and saying, Hey, we have, you know, perceived ability to weigh in on this issue because we're the ATF. However, the Supreme Court did just rule that, you know, these government bodies that are not Congress do not, Congress cannot pass their power on to the ATF, the BLM, whoever it is um, to say like, Hey, Bureau of Land Management, um, we're going to give you this power to go out and and create rules that are enacted as laws that then people have to follow. It's like, well, technically, no, because that's not a law. It's not something that Congress has passed that I do have to follow. And so I think I think you may see, you know, it depends on what gun policy and GOA do and how they approach it. And if if they're willing to do it. And what I'd say is like, if there are intent rulings on it that the ATF puts out and, and the ATF comes out and says, hey, as long as you don't have the pistol on the AR, you don't have to register it because a pistol, an AR pistol with just the buffer tube is not in question. I mean, they're still going to sell those. I would assume that you'll still be able to get those. Yep. And so if they come out and say, like, as long as you take it off of there, you're fine. I haven't seen anything that says that. Then just wait for the lawsuits and probably in three to six months, they'll come out and say, okay, that wasn't legal. And, and then you can go back to life as usual. And it's, for me, it's, it's like, shit, man, I hate all this stuff, but at the same time, it's like, we have to play the game that they play and we have to figure out a way to remain calm, but at the same time, apply pressure and do what we need to do and not say like damn that sucks okay i'll just toss out my pistol brace and move on with my life it's like no there's 20 to 40 million people in the country have a pistol brace and they're affected by this maybe they should all speak up and yep. not just say well i signed the thing that for the atf in the ruling period or the judgment period and it didn't do anything so now i'm done it's like no we have to continue to you know build pressure and say like hey man this is not cool. We're not cool with this. And now we have an arm through GOA or gun policy, whoever it is, that we're going to donate to. And these guys, I, I'm not a fan of the NRA. I think, you know, but that's my own personal opinion. And I just, you know, we can go, we can I come back on for another podcast. You're going to talk about the NRA. But <laughs> I think what we have to do as a gun community is, is look for who actually is, who's filing lawsuits, who's doing the things that actually matter it's not going to happen on, on Capitol Hill. Yes, gun lobbying is important, but the lawsuits are where the teeth are at, and that's where we're going to win. And I think you have to look at people like gun policy or other places that are actually filing lawsuits who have attorneys that are in the game and not just lobbyists on the Hill that are greasing the wheels and then we don't get any legislation that matters anyways. Yep. FPC has been killing it lately. Um, you did bring up an interesting point there about the intent and the way that this ruling is written clearly states that it has to be attached. I mean, it says right there with a brace attached, it's in plain text. So that's a good point you bring up. I mean, as long as you take the damn thing off, you know, if you, if you want to go shoot it, there ain't no cameras around, ain't no, ain't no feds around, slap that sucker on, go to town. You know, you want to put it back in your safe? 
or whatever back in your truck or wherever it is, take that brace off. Cause that's a, that, by the way, as he stated, this is not legal advice. We are not lawyers. Uh, but I mean, it seems to me that you made a very good point there. That's a interesting, interesting point on that. Uh, so I, yeah, I mean, it's going to come down to everybody's personal preference and it's like, you know, I think one thing based on the current climate too is like, Hey, keep in mind that, you know, what you say is overheard and it's like, Hey man, I'm not, I am by no means telling anyone that like, I'm afraid of this or that or anything. It's like, we just, we as a community need to consider the the circumstances that we're in and then be smart so that we can continue to stay in the fight and when I say the fight, I mean the legal fight and say like what we were just talking about. It's like, okay, if I take the brace off of here and I set it aside and that is cool with the ATF and it's like, you know what, I'm just a little guy. I can't do anything right now, but maybe there's a lawsuit that I can put my name on. And at the end of that, we come out with a ruling that says the ATF acted outside of their interests, their means. And then that goes away, which is possible because a lot of these brands sell pistol braced guns. Um, and so it's a decision of, you know, how do we band together? How do we, you know, how do we pivot from here without, you know, hair on fire and, and look at it and say like, this is not going to be the only time this is going to be common. This is going to be something that we will continue to deal with as long as the ATF is permitted to make rulings on accessories and things that are maybe a little bit beyond the firearm world and say, okay. How are we going to handle this? And I think that's one thing that we we as a community need to figure out. Yeah, I think that's the most important thing is to just remain calm and band together and and figure out how to how to make this work uh, together. I, that's absolutely excellent, excellent advice. And that's one thing I wish we were the gun community. I wish we were a little bit better at that, um, just sticking together. But you know. I guess we have our opportunity now to do that a little bit. So, and we like to talk shit to each other. You know, that's, it's that's, that's damn that's right. The, we are the, good at that. Yeah, but it's you know, it's it's also it's one of those things where I've I've found that even if you're talking shit, most of the time when people get together, they end up liking each other. And I think we're all being polarized in this thing where it's you know, you're, <laughs> I have like. I found myself turning into like that guy who has a litmus test where it's like, mm, you know, my wife wants to hang out with someone and I'm like, what is the husband like? What is he does? You know, yeah. does, does he at least <laughs> like guns? Do we have anything to talk about? Um, so it's, you know, man, it's challenging out there. It's challenging out there as a, you know, middle-aged dude trying to just get by and not, you know, offend anyone. But at the same time, I like offending people. So it doesn't bother yeah. me that much. Yeah. Yeah. Box, what are your whole thoughts on this deal? Uh, before before that, we got a comment. Look up West Virginia for or telling the ATF to look up West Virginia versus EPA possible domino effects. Is that the the recent yeah. Supreme Court EPA ruling? Yeah, I yeah. was yeah. wondering about that. They've really got some balls coming out with this this like a month and a half, two months after the stream Supreme Court's like, no, nah, you guys, you guys gotta quit doing that shit. I'm kind of curious about that, but yeah, my, my I, thoughts on it are a little bit differently, different than your guys. I mean, I agree with everything you said, but it seems to me like they know exactly what they're doing and they're trying to piss off all the gun owners and turn us, turn us into extremists. If you, if you want to call us that, so then they can tag us as, as terrorists later down the road. It seems like they're doing everything they can 
to demonize us and make us look like the worst people because they know the majority of people I don't think are going to comply with something like this. And when we don't comply, they're going to they're going to be like those are not law-abiding gun owners. Those are those are extremists. They will not follow the law for the for the nation's safety. So I feel like they're doing this to demonize an entire culture. Am I am I off base? I mean, I think part of the issue that we run into is like you've got the the higher ups that have the control of the making the decisions at an ATF or FBI or whoever it is. And then the the common agents who who, you know, they mostly go along with the orders, but they're the ones that actually have to fulfill on the, you know, the 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 rule or whatever it is. And I, it's like, hey, you know, shit, how far down the rabbit hole is the ATF going to go on this? Is it going to be like the other things where they reach out to any company who has sold an AR that has a brace and when they don't have compliance, are they going to go down that path? Cause that is a very scary thought. And at the same time, it's like, okay, you want to talk about conspiracy theories. It's like, look, what they're saying is that you will need to essentially go through the NFA process for a pistol brace. And they're going to give an amnesty period. Well, with that, will they issue a tax stamp? Are they going to issue an NFA tax stamp that did not cost you money? And at that point, when there is a tax involved, does that then go to the IRS? I don't know, because there's 87,000 new IRS agents coming in. And so there's a lot of parts to this that that are kind of unknown. And it's, you know, how far down the path are we thinking about this and where does it go? And on the surface, it's I agree with you. It's, you know... I think that anytime they make these rulings or decisions or whatever they they are, they're thinking about it. They're thinking about how it's going to be perceived, how it's going to be taken, what the community reaction is. I mean, that's why they have the open comment period and all this stuff. It's because they need to know what the sentiment is. And they did it anyways, even though there were enough people that came out. I mean, there's hundreds of thousands of signatures on that. With And I looked, too, when they opened up that period and you went to look, you could see everyone's comments on there. They were out like they they yep. were open to, mm-hmm. to view. And I mean, people were respectful for the most part, but they were they weren't just signing their names. They were leaving comments. And so, I you know, it's hard to know what the internal conversations are and who's making the decisions, what, what's going on. But I think that they have to know that they're going to piss off a large swath of people in the industry i mean there's no way there's no way that you know because they're humans at the end of the day and there's no way they're not sitting around going man do people hate us are we the bad guys (laughs) are we you know are we the baddies here um they know everybody knows their role and what they're doing and how it's going to be perceived and so ultimately like shit man i don't know you know that's the worst part about it is that we don't know we don't know what the end game on some of this stuff is and is it is it meant to scoop up people or is it meant to just you know get money out of us is it a further tax scheme there's no way to know right uh, my comments is asking what's their reason on it easier to conceal i mean why it's because it's it's a way to get around the sbr laws brett yeah, it has, nothing, I, it has nothing to do with actually what the what it is. I mean, it's just because it's not technically a stock that you can put on a short barrel rifle. 
And that's what right. people use and, it for. And the funny thing is, if you look back into why the the NFA was started, uh, specifically the short barrel rifle uh, situation was back because, I mean, Tommy guns and all that shit were were big time. And they were, they were too easy to conceal under a coat when they were smaller like this. So that's the whole reason that that whole situation started. Well, this now is not even close to that because if you look at a, if you look at an AR pistol, if you add a brace to it, it's much less concealable. It's, it's much longer. So like their reasoning, there is no good reason for it to answer your question. It's 110% about control and money. That's, that's, Absolutely, all it is, control and money. That's my viewpoint on it. And infringing on the rights of the disabled. That's that's a pretty big piece of this that's, too. I mean, that's, that's true. As they well. got to be pretty upset about this. Now they have to pay yeah. two hundred dollars just to use their AR. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, that's I, ultimately. I think that's all. All it is, control and money. It's usually Any final good... thoughts on that. No, I mean, I think ultimately it sucks. It's just, you know, and it sucks from the perspective of like, man, think about all these companies that make these braces and the companies that have product inventory that they are going to have to just toss out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I hate to see brands get screwed in the process of, you know, just running their business with what's what's allowed. And then one day someone comes along and they're like, you know what? we don't want that anymore. And I know you probably have hundreds of thousands of dollars in inventory in that, but that you just need to get rid of that. It's for the good. It's for the good of everyone. Right. Does mm-hmm. that make you feel good? Um, so yep. that's the, sh- that's one of the shitty parts about it too, is like, there's so many people that get screwed in this process of extrajudicial, you know, decisions by the government. And that's the same way what everybody's dealing with right now with the whole uh, firearm, redefining a firearm and a frame and 80 percenters and everything. There's a lot of companies that are just getting completely freaking hosed yeah. on that. Um, and there was no there was no bill passed They're They're not breaking act- any laws that Congress passed. This is just some bureaucrat that decided, hey, screw you. We're going to put you out of business, you know. So mm-hmm. uh, Nick says for this amnesty period, does it have to be mounted to a gun? Um, to my understanding, yes. I mean, cause you, when, during the period, the amnesty period, you have to send in pictures, obviously you have to sell in, send in your whole form, fill out your form and everything. But to my understanding, you also have to have pictures of the gun to prove that it does have a brace on it. So, yes. Um, the other question is if you had a pistol brace and you've been just like putting off all this time SBR in it, do you just go ahead and do that? Or I, I, I'm kind of I I, I have I'm in that situation. I'm I got a personal gun that's got a brace on, it, and I've been meaning the SBR for years, but I never did. But now I'm just like, well, fuck you. I don't want to. I'm not gonna. I don't want to do that now. So screw you. You know. But as to your point earlier, it's it's each individual's. Uh, it's it's your own decision and and what's what's best for you and and your family. So. Shit, man, you, made a, you made a good point there, though, is that so this amnesty period is for braces, right? Well, a lot of people are probably like, well, I'll just get a free SBR tax stamp. And I, again, I'm not an attorney, but I would caution people from saying, fuck it. I'm just going to throw a stock on there and send that in. Well, that doesn't just because they're given a brace amnesty period and they want you to send in pictures like, man, if you took a picture of your pistol with 
a stock on it, you have immediately committed a felony and sent that picture to the ATF as incriminating evidence. Yep. And you would assume that that because they're giving this period, it's like, well, I'll just ask all right, because they're already going through the process. It's like, I would probably say to anyone that's considering doing anything, go to your dealer, have your dealer help you manage the process. Everybody's got a gun dealer, someone they like, someone they trust. Just ask them what they what to do and let them help you so that you don't get fucked over in this process. Also, another interesting to that point is um, you cannot you cannot take a rifle and convert it into a pistol. You either had to build that that pistol, buy it as a pistol as the manufacturer made it, or you had to build it from a receiver. You cannot convert a rifle into a pistol unless you are going to SBR it. So an interesting point here is how many people actually did that and threw a, and threw a, a, a brace on it just for shits and giggles. So how many people are actually going to apply for this? The ATF is going to look at that serial number and be like, Hmm, that started life as a rifle. You were supposed to SBR that now you just convert. Now you just committed a felony and you just sent in pictures of proof of yourself committing a felony to an agency that wants to throw you in jail for 10 years. So I, I just don't think there's a winning situation to, to dealing with them and, and, yeah. and really any, any way. Kind of like going to court without an attorney. It's like, you wouldn't do it. So I guess why engage with the ATF directly when you have a dealer that, you know, most likely isn't going to charge you money to help you at least navigate the process before you reach out and you're like, Hey, ATF, here's my gun and my, you know, everything I got. And then they're like, yeah, that's cool. But in the background of that picture, I see that you have X, Y, and Z. So we're going to, you know, pay a visit and see what's going on. So I, shit, man, no matter what I end up doing, I'll probably do it through my dealer just to create some form of buffer so that Someone is there helping me who is licensed right. with the ATF and, you know, at least has some skin in the game. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Brett, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how this all works out. Brett's asking, is it just another way for them to log firearms and serial numbers? That is probably definitely one of the upsides for the ATF. They're like, Ooh, this is going to work yeah. out slick for us. We can get a whole lot of information from this and they're just going to give it to us. Yeah. Yep. Pretty ridiculous. Okay. Should we should we move on now to the final subject? Uh, do we want Do we want to talk about that or? It's up to you guys. We'll take a vote. The Milwaukee do do, Police Department. Sam probably wants uh, to go because he still hasn't ate supper because he's a fucking. No, I clown. actually did. I ate supper <laughs> ahead of time today. Actually, oh, wow. you know, I I I got a, a semi full belly, so I'm good. <laughs> Um, uh, it's wait, another 15 we, minutes yeah ben do you want to hang around man whatever you guys want to do i'm good well this this next topic ain't extremely extremely exciting this is just kind of covering something that's been going on for a while um the whole sig sour p320 um situation i think it was back in like 2000 17 some somewhere in that range 2017 2018 um sig sour put out a voluntary i believe it was voluntary um you had to send your gun in to get it fixed there were they were having issues with them firing um i believe dropping them as well as there was a few that just fired by themselves um and supposedly that had been fixed but uh the milwaukee police department um, they are suing the city of Milwaukee because um, they 
the city issued them SIG P320s and they didn't tell them about any, any of these issues. Um, and that was back in 2019 when they got those. And since then, they've had three separate instance, instances where their officers um, have been shot. What, a couple have been, been shot in the leg because the gun supposedly just fired when they were in the holster. Um, I know at least two of those were. And then the third one, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what that was. Uh, but I, I am not a fan of, I'm a fan of SIG. I love SIG. But the P320s, for whatever reason, I've never been a fan of them. I think they're fugly, but like this whole thing going on, I just, I don't know. Why can't they get their shit together and get this stuff, get this, this stuff fixed? Because there's clearly still an issue going on. I read I, an article and before this, I was reading an article on the truth about guns that brought up some interesting points that they're not the only company to be to receive lawsuits of this sort sure throughout the years i mean glock has received a number of reports themselves but mm-hmm. sig claimed to have fixed this in 2017 but they had, i mean there was there's an undeniable issue with what was going on before they had that the upgraded sig so i'm i'm wondering now if there's just not a chance for these people that are making mistakes and they're not handling their firearms correctly there's they're getting complacent with their with their handling a little bit and then they're using that precedent before they're like oh sig's been known to just randomly fire off in holsters whether i dropped them or whatever i I think they called it illegal momentum whereas oh Mm -hmm. This has been done before. This is my chance to not look like a total asshole and not get fired by my police department. Because I, I don't think there's been nearly as many civilian lawsuits as there has been lawsuits from police departments. I could be wrong on that. Yeah. I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Sorry. Um, I was just going to say, I haven't heard to your point about civilian lawsuits. And I mean, I do think that that you know, I think discovery will be interesting depending on where this goes. Cause it's okay. What kind of holsters are they using? What's their level of training? Is it repeatable? Is it something? Cause they still have those duty, those duty pistols. Hopefully, you know, that's something that will be introduced as evidence that depending on where this goes, they can test, they can see if that happens. And I think your point is, is good about legal momentum. And it's like, yeah, I mean, shit, man, if I'm a cop and I shoot myself, do I want to say that I did that? Probably not. And if you do it with a gun that has a history or at least like a temporary history of, of having an issue like that, then you may be more likely, or it could even be the thing where they're like, Hey man, like shit, that sucks. You know, it's a, it's a, you know, higher up. And they're like, we're just, we're going to help you out. And we're going to say that. And so it's, I guess it's one of those things where it's like, man, until you get into it and you have discovery and you have, you know, testing and, and all the shit that goes on with a gun. I don't know. I, I don't know the state of the case either and where it's at. Uh, sorry, my dog, <laughs> my dog just walked in the freaking shop. She's missing her collar. Her face is all wet and grassy and grimy and shit. All uh, what the hell? She's freaking old. She's damn near 14 years old. So I walk out there. She had apparently got stuck in the gutter, ripped the gutter off <laughs> while she was going after a, a, it looked like a squirrel, 
I don't know if it was a squirrel or some sort of varmint. I don't know what the hell it is. It's dead laying in the middle of the yard. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck's going on out there. I was curious about that. Come and look at your fingers like they smelled odd or something. Well, they kind of do. I saw I saw you making a face and I'm like, shit, did I say something? <laughs> then I look up no. and you're like smelling your fingers like it's mall rats and somebody just shook your hand with chocolate pretzels. And I'm like, what's going on here, man? <laughs> sorry, sorry. Just walk back into frame sniffing my fingers. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh. Okay, well, um, do you have anything more to say about that, Sam, or did you miss like half of it? I, I missed kind of half of it, but um, I didn't have a whole ton other to say on that other than than what I did uh, in the beginning. But I'm sure you guys covered it. Uh, I would. You still high on the scent that. of what was on your hand? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You want us to wait until you come down and then we can finish this, or? <laughs> yeah, you caught me. You yeah, caught me. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> Did anybody see if he still had pants on when he came in? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you guys have pants on? <laughs> what? <laughs> see, I, I normally I, I wouldn't wear pants, but my fridge is all the way back there, so I got to get up and go into frame, right? In order, you know, then everybody sees me, and it's all awkward. Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay well if nobody has anything else to say about that i think we're gonna <laughs> i think we're gonna call her a night so thank you everyone for stopping by especially you ben be sure to check out kraken and as of tomorrow i believe you can get free shipping if you use the code live free checking out on is it kraken.com krakencases.com absolutely be sure to check them out they've got some really cool things coming up and uh, i think they're gonna make a Pretty big splash in the industry, to be honest. I'm pretty excited about them. Uh, again, thanks, everyone, for stopping by. Be sure to listen to, to our entire catalog of podcasts on most major podcast providers and also on our website. If you enjoy what we, want, what we do and you want to help support the show, check our, out our Subscribestar page for exclusive content and other benefits. If you want to get involved in the conversation and the community, join our forum over on LifeShortLiveFree.com. And if you aren't aware, Gears and Beers is streamed live every other Wednesday night at 8.30 Central Time on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and our website. We would love for you to come get involved. Uh, check out our sponsors, Shyworks at Shyworks.com and Facebook and Ballistic Imagery at BallisticImagery.com. And once again, check out CrackinCases.com. And that's all we have for you tonight. Thanks for stopping by once again. And Sam, sign us off. Yep. Thanks, guys, for hanging around. Thank you, Ben, for stopping by. This was a fun one. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you, guys. Make sure you're checking out all our other podcasts on major podcast providers and lifeshortlivefree.com. Until we talk to you next time, remember, life short, live free. God bless. 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 God bless.